0: I'm Sasha Exeter and welcome to my brand new show, My Friends Do Dope Shit. I'm kicking off the first episode of the first season of My Friends Do Dope Shit. And honestly, I could not have dreamt of a better guest. Welcome to the show, actor, activist, executive producer, comedian, author, podcast host, hairdresser, founder of JVN Hair, Jonathan Van Ness. Thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you?
1: Um, I am great. Although I did just realize that I've now been in the sun enough that my concealer color is too light. So I'm just putting a little <laughs> bit more of the primer <laughs> over the concealer. I was telling uh, Sasha before we started that I'm having a little bit of the Mondays on account of the weekend. And uh, yeah, it's but it's fine. You know what? I'm just giving you more. No, glow. you look good. It's, it's whatever. When I first saw you this morning on this podcast, can I just tell you the song that came in my head? was eyes, lips, face. And then it th- it's like, eyes, uh, lips. Uh, yes. Uh, you uh, are uh, uh. so beautiful first thing on a Monday morning. I cannot. Oh my- and then you had the nerve to say that all you've done <laughs> is a little tiny lip looking like she's ready for the cover of American Vogue, uh, just over the uh, shoulder uh, girl with the <gasps> pearl earring vibes.
0: Oh my God. Well, thank you. I have been putting a lot of time into my skincare. After 40, it's no joke. I don't care if you're
1: 12, which you look like you could be. You are so glowy and so breathtaking. I mean, is it? What is it? What is it? What are you using? Let the people know.
0: Literally, <sighs> Biologique Recherche products are are life-changing
1: also your brow and lash person is also is that
0: you no i cannot listen the lash tech is literally this is why i'm chained i'm shackled to toronto i would move to texas so you can do my hair but really my facialist and my lash tech is here and i I it's giving
1: bambi but like natural bambi like sorry (laughs)
0: like i Excuse me what?
1: Yeah, it's it, oh, so pretty. But like not so, it's not too, it's like they're just like perfect,
0: you know? It's a, it's a natural glam. So, the list of credits that I mentioned in the opening are literally no joke. And I feel like you kind of just with your the your natural personality and your aura, you just stomped on the scene and never looked back like you should. But I know it hasn't been easy. So I want to go back to little Jonathan back in Quincy, Illinois. Did you ever think that you would be in this place right now where you're building a fucking empire? Like if someone told you that that was going to be your life 30 years ago, would you believe them?
1: No, I would have been like, we got to get you to the hospital. These shrooms are too strong. Your <laughs> fever is peaking. I'm worried about you. Um, no. But you know, it's interesting. I felt like when I was writing, Love That Story, my essay book that just came out this year, I was thinking a lot how, and I don't know if it's the result of the trauma that I survived or the weed that I consume or a mixture of both, but it just was occurring to me in the last year. I started having this, Really sitting with this memory that I first wrote about and over the top, but it was really coming to me and love that story. When I used to like, I was in love with this like other boy growing up on my swim team. And when we would be out of town in like Springfield, Illinois, or like Decatur, Illinois, like small, like Midwestern cities, I'd be like, I have to change because there could be a talent scout at the mall. And if there's a talent scout at the mall, like this could be the moment that I'm going to be discovered. And you don't know that I won't be discovered. So like I need to wear like a matching like powder blue gap, like short with like a pin, like a horizontal, like dark blue, white and matching powder blue, like triple blue and white stripe, like matching top. And I would like, I mean, I was so serious and they would laugh at me so much. And then over the top, I wrote about how like, I wanted to be like a Britney Spears uh, who got discovered at the mall. I just couldn't like act or sing or dance. So I just like didn't (laughs) know. But then like the world kind of teaches you that you can't do that or that like that's not meant for you. And so I knew that that like part of me kind of existed. But what I didn't, the two and two that I didn't put together until Love That Story is that so much of what my adult life was, was just trying to live like through my twenties and thirties. It was like just
0: trying to literally get by, survive.
1: Yeah. Just trying to survive addiction, compulsivity, like just trying to make it. And then once I did make it, I realized that my purpose was to come back to that child, that inner child that like wanted to be Britney Spears. It couldn't act, sing or dance. But actually what I've always really wanted to do is make it so that other people don't have to feel like how I felt which was so othered and so ostracized and so bullied and just so rejected from the people around them. And so whatever your thing is, because, you know, for me, it was being super feminine. It was being clearly gender nonconforming from a very small, like, young age. Those are the reasons why I felt so othered. But for everyone, there is, like, a thing that they feel othered by. And so I just want people to feel more compassion for themselves and more self-acceptance and feel um, better about being themselves. I feel like that's like kind of what my childhood mission was. But then I mm-hmm. think the world taught me that that was like dumb. And then as I got older, I realized that that was actually like really major and super cool. And who knew that like that's what my purpose was. And that's just so
0: fun. I mean, I love you for so many reasons. But because of my my love and interest for wellness and health and and being active... I'm really drawn to that about you and about your social media. And I know you have to know this, but I'm getting goosebumps right now. You inspire so many people around the world to get off the couch and move their body, make it fun, make it themselves, um, to try something new, to look beyond the fear. I live for the gymnastic videos. I live for them, and I know I'm not the only person that feels this way. And we were all chatting, like your your workout this morning that you posted on Instagram, and you added the little twerk. And good for you, honey, for doing a that's little not plyometric hit work.
1: I wasn't working on the ground. <laughs> that's not why I was getting ready. At the be- that's not why I was. And anyone who says that on this Zencaster is a liar. And I fake won't. news, fake news, fake, fake news. And I I don't I don't stand by that, and I don't talk like that. And I don't act like that. I feel like that was Robin on America's Next Top Model season one that said that quote, and it's really been coming to me lately. Like she's like, "I don't speak like that. I don't talk like that. I don't talk like
0: that." <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I love to see it, and you're you're really helping a lot of people out there. What does wellness and fitness mean to you?
1: Honestly. And I hate, like, I don't want to talk about it like, every podcast that I ever do and not that you even ask, but, like... And it kind of goes against, like, so much of what I talk about. But, like, I'm still just, like, traumatized from the Snacks episode on Getting Curious on Netflix. Like, the backlash from that and just... Some people were really hurt by it. Other people just felt really incentivized to, like, say really intense stuff. I think the reason why I still think about it so much is because what it really did was it pointed out for me, like, as much as I didn't want to think about it at first, that, like... I am struggling with disordered eating and didn't even realize it. And wow. yep. I, you know, I think I thought I like even feel myself getting emotional about it now. Cause it's like, I thought that because I like, I've never looked at myself and was like, oh, I need to lose weight or I need, like, I always think I'm pretty cute. Like, so that's, that's one thing. Cause you are. Um, but it's like, so but because I was, like, literally basically drinking coffee because I've been so busy with work and just wanting to, like, focus on my job and, like, help people and it's just been a lot of pressure, I was, like, not prioritizing how I eat. And and because I wasn't, like, restricting or binging because I felt bad about the way I looked, I just wasn't prioritizing my health. And then, oh, my God, I'm like... It's I think it's because I do therapy in this room. And so whenever I'm in this room, when I do a podcast, it's not my own. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in therapy. But it's like, no, girl, you're on a podcast. Um,
0: (laughs) It can be therapeutic. It can be
1: therapeutic. But it's like I was restricting. I was like restricting with coffee, not really realizing it. Then I was like so hungry by like three in the afternoon that I was like, eating like seven meals like because i was just yeah, to
0: catch up, starving. To catch up. You're starving
1: so now it's just been interesting because i got a nutritionist like a month ago because i was like having high blood pressure and i was like i've just been gaining weight over the last two years and the blood pressure and then my doctor was like i'm worried about like a potential for pre-diabetes and like we need to look at your stuff and i was just like Ugh, and like heart disease runs in my family and cancer runs in my family. And like, I already have HIV. So I was just like, okay, like I need to get a nutritionist. I'm going to get my little blood pressure machine at home. And so I've just really been looking at it more. And I realized that I've been on this roller coaster of either like weight gain or weight loss, like not really wanting to look at what I eat. And it's felt so good and so weird. The, like, for these last five weeks, and I, you know, haven't been talking about it a lot. I think I'm going to start talking about it a little more. But, like, I've, like, made time in my schedule to eat. Like, in my literal calendar, there's, like, I have, like, you these 30-minute, like, chunks. And I have, like, coolers with me. And then I still, like, went to a Dodgers game with my friends the other week and, like, ate whatever. And I, I eat whatever. I just am, like, tracking what I eat. I'm tracking how I feel when I eat it. It reminds me of like when I learned how to budget money, but calories. It's kind of like that. And even saying that, it's way. like I know that people's like taints are going to tighten because it's like I don't believe in calorie counting. People are just so obs- like, I just feel like there's a million ways to do this, and I think. But
0: that that there's a negative connotation when you use the words calorie counting. Calorie counting could be also to monitor to make sure that you're ingesting more calories because a lot of people are not eating enough.
1: So that was kind of a thing for me. Is that I was like leaving way too much on the table and I was like under eating. Um, like, but again, it's like, it, it, it just, this whole topic, I just think people are so quick to judge and they're so quick to like, and, and even in not to, I don't know why I keep talking about my books, but that's why I write a lot. That's why I love to write because there's not people in your comments. You can like say in one place how you feel about something and just let that work speak for itself, you know, and people who really want to find it and people who really want to engage in the discourse and the frequency that you're wanting to engage in, they can go there and find it. So that's, I think that's part of why I do love writing. And it's like a singular voice from a singular POV. Like I don't have to share and I can like just share my, I I don't have to share like the end result. I can like let my experience like be in there.
0: Your health and wellness journey is different from everybody else so you have to do what works for you and what makes you feel good at the end of the day.
1: In in my book I was talking about how like because of like evolution in our fucking brains we are just more trained. It's like why I can do like 20 really good haircuts but if you mess up one person's hair like The one person whose hair, like you, don't do your best on, that's the person that goes to Yelp and is like, "This person fucked my hair up." Versus like all the good stuff that you do. Yeah. And similarly, I think because that is like the same thing of like evolutionarily, like your reptile brain, like it's the lions and the tigers that are going to kill you. It's like not the rabbit. And like the cute little fuzzy rabbit is like the people saying like you did a good job, but it's a lion or tiger that's like coming for your neck. I could mess you up, and so I think. Maybe just from my lived experience, it feels a lot worse because like I'm me and I know how much I put into my work and to have people just like shit on it and say like it was really hurtful or it missed the mark or whatever, like whatever range in that spectrum from like constructive feedback to like go fuck yourself, you know, because it's all, it's all in in that there. spectrum like it's. Yeah, it's like, it, I, that's why I think the negativity around, like, the snacks episode or the other negativity that I see other pe- people experience when they talk about food or, like, wellness stuff is, it just feels so traumatizing for me. Because, like, my mission is to spread compassion and self-acceptance. So when I see work that I do, maybe not do that, I'm like, uh. But in this case, it was really a huge learning lesson because it made me realize that I had more work to do on a subject that I kind of thought... I was okay about and turns out I'm not okay. Not okay. And it turns out that it's okay to not be okay. So it's kind of interesting that I'm on like this little journey right now.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to my friends do dope shit. Let's talk about something fun and exciting. Let's talk about JVN hair.
1: Yes. Well, first of all, like from being late this morning, like thank God for JVN hair. Cause I literally just put this one thing that's, Oh my god, it's complete <laughs> conditioning mist, you guys. It's just—it's complete conditioning mist, and it's like, gorgeous. And it's our new... It's like, it's... So for, like, when you first get out of the shower, it's a gorgeous detangling mist, gorgeous for day one, super light, But what I did with it today, because this is my day two hair, I washed last night. Then I put some like instant recovery serum in it last night, put it in a braid, slept in it. Then this morning to refresh it, I just did complete conditioning mist through, which is an as well as a detangler. It's a great refresher. So if you're wearing your hair natural or if you're doing like a little like natural twist set or like wearing your natural texture or for any curly hair girl out there, you can like use this to refresh your hair day two to like revive the shape.
0: We refresh Maxwell's, my daughter's curl this morning with the spray, Epic. You use this spray on my natural 4C hair when you did my hair in Toronto. And that is when I literally almost dropped the phone and I was like, what the fuck is this that you just literally put in my hair? And everyone, I have very coarse, natural textured hair. And this mist literally melted my hair down and allowed Jonathan to easily comb through My curls. I've never in my life seen anything like this before.
1: I feel like it's not necessarily your natural texture that you have trubs with. Like your natural texture, if you wore it in its natural state or did like a little like, you know, like a silk press or like a really smooth, silky little like, you know, blow dry with your virgin, you could refresh it. You just have to like kind of learn how to, but you totally could.
0: I am a nosy bitch, very curious to learn about people's come up stories because I know Getting People always see like the finish line, right? Because we are always posting the highlight reel on Instagram. So can you recall or do you think of any time that you've gotten a no and like what the learnings were from that? How you recovered from that? Yeah,
1: I mean, I still get tons of no's. Um, yeah, I think it's like like how you said, it's part of the process. It's It just is so much part of it. And learning how to navigate the no's, I think is really important because... The nose used to make me really self-destructive and it used to make me like kind of want to beat myself up. And so learning how to like love myself through the nose and like be compassionate with myself through that I think has been really important. And the way that I did that is like practicing so much gratitude for the yeses and for like what I have and learning how to do that and learning how to identify those moments and making it like a practice is really important. Mm -hmm. I used to do it like by writing it now I do it by like moving mantras like when I'm doing yoga or when I'm doing weights or if I'm doing gymnastics. Like I'm always like in my mind, I and it, it might sound like uh, but it's true. Like I think I mean and I I'll do it to my husband and he'll be like, uh again, because he's, like, British, and it's, like, harder, I feel like, for British people on the whole. Not to judge, not to be one of those people that judges, like, an entire country, but I feel like British (laughs) people have a harder time, like, emoting and, like, with feelings, like, generally speaking. It's true.
0: My mom's from there, so I can, I can. It's just, like, generally. generally,
1: Not that there's not emotive Brits, but I feel like culturally, it's just, like, not as the thing. They're just, like, oh, you Americans are, like, so feely. But I do, I think about just being really grateful for what Like, for when I'm doing, like, kind of, like, my joy stuff, like, I think about how grateful and how lucky I am and excited I am to be able to do those things, but I didn't used to, that didn't used to come as easily, like, I didn't know how to do that, and that's, and it's through practice that that's happened, so, but I think one of the no's that sticks out in my head is, this is, like, a good classic one, but, like, my podcast, Getting Curious, was like, canceled from its first network, like, the week that I booked Queer Eye. Stop! It was from, like, October of 2015 to, like, February of 2017. So basically, like, an episode a week. So that was, like, a while of doing most of it. Yeah, of course. Like, I had, like... And I obviously had, like, a great sound engineer that the network provided, so, like, that was cool, you know, but at at the end of that year, I was like, look, I love this podcast so much. This has been my passion project. I've learned so much, but I would just live for if we could get a producer, like if we could just get a producer, like to help us book, or if I could have like one of like any of the producers that work at this network, like help me, this would be amazing. And so I asked for the help and I did it in like a cool, normal way. Like I didn't do it in like a weird, like way, like it was professional and like, didn't take 45 minutes. It was like you know, just like a request in real, like I asked for a meeting and it was like a 10 minute meeting. And the next day I got hauled in and I got fired in front of the whole staff. They're like, yeah, we're just can't move forward with the show. There's like not enough like people.
0: Okay. No one can see my face right now, but I'm aghast, mouth open, hand covering.
1: And then literally I booked Queer Eye the next week. And then I took a little sabbatical from getting curious. Like I just took a little break while I filmed Queer Eye. And then I brought it back like, um, like in September of 17 and it didn't come out until February of 18. So then I did it again for like another four months, more like kind of low key again, but then it was kind of primed and ready. And I was like,
0: ta-ta. Okay. Here's the thing. This is so interesting that you said that because I was going to chime in and say that I started looking at not all no's, but some no's as a, not a no, but a not yet. So, and I think there's something to that because I do believe without sounding too witchy that the universe really has a lot and things in store for us. So just because someone says no, that no is not, in, it's not indefinite. This is not doesn't mean you're never, ever, ever going to do that one thing. Now just might not be the time for it. And that example you just mentioned proved exactly that. That's amazing.
1: I am feeling that gif when it's like Jennifer Lawrence, J-Lo, and Meryl Streep when they
0: stand up and they're like, yes, (laughs) it's (laughs) that, it's that, it's It's that. Oh my gosh. So stardom has perks and it also has pitfalls and many people can lose their way, but you seem pretty rooted in who you are. And I think that's probably because of the crew and the friends and the people that you have around you. But when you get out of pocket... Who is that one person in your inner circle that keeps your ass in check?
1: I got a couple.
0: Besides your husband, because I'm sure he checks your ass.
1: He does my mom, my dad, my best friend, Patty, my stylist, Allison. Also, my auntie, also Alok, who is like a really good friend of mine and just like a fierce powerhouse of a person who you should absolutely interview and get to know. First, they were like, girl. Cause I would call them and I'd be like, this person said this. And they would be like, if you don't turn your fucking DMs off, I'm going to come over there. And it is going to like, like for the first time, like you will not love me. Cause like, I'm going to like rip your phone out of your hands, like in a most loving sisterly way, but like you have to turn your DMs off.
0: Okay. You know what? It's wild. And I think people need to know this, like you're huge. And I think a lot of people are under the understanding that you're not in the weeds on your social media, but you're reading all the DMs. You're reading all the comments. I was
1: for the first like three years. Okay, so I just turned it off like last year, and, and because of that, if I've approved your DM for like three years, like you can still fucking message me. So like, yes. sometimes like, because like I just I literally for three years was like, oh my god, thank you, oh my god, thank you, oh my god, thank you. Like I was just like thank gratitude, I thank yeah, you just exactly I make, all the time. But then it was like if I, because especially like if I disappointed someone like within the queer community, like that hurt even worse. Like a Trump person. Telling me something like that, or like a super conservative person, like I'm, it's more par for the course. But if I have disappointed like someone within our community, it's worse. But also because sometimes like we're on our own healing journeys and stuff. Like if you disappoint someone who like once especially like really liked you, but then you do something that pisses them off, like oh my god, it could be like really intense sometimes. And like like sometimes I can see like like co- like little bits of things that I can take from, but other times it's just like really intense and really hurtful. And the look was just like you cannot like you are going to really have a bad mold like you have to turn them off so I so that was one thing that really helped and then the second thing that they did for me that's changed my life (laughs) is they were like you need to get a CEO coach because you are an artist first and that's fabulous like we love that you're an artist but like you managing like 30 people is like not what comes naturally to you and I worry (laughs) for I worry for several reasons that your blood pressure and and your like work-life balance is going to like, you got to help. You got to. So I hired this fierce like CEO coach who I work with, who I don't want to. I want her to like have all the success in the world, but I also don't want her to like not have time for me. But like her name is Maury and she's everything I love.
0: I think it's it should be mandatory for anyone who's a founder or CEO. It's
1: so hard. It's,
0: adulting is so hard.
1: I mean, it really is because like, oh my God, it's like, I think that's another thing about like becoming like a founder, public figure, like all of the things. It's like, it's definitely surprising how much harder it is.
0: What has been the one thing that has shocked you the most about this
1: journey? God, there's so many things. I think what I've been the most shocked by is how extreme the duality that exists for marginalized people.
0: Wow. Is
1: what has shocked me the most. That And we can live in a world where there's people like me being like a two-time New York Times bestselling author. I can be like a four-time Emmy nominee. I can like someone like me, an HIV positive genderqueer person can be experiencing that much. We can have states that, you know, we've come a long way, like there's same-sex marriage, there's same-sex adoption, there's, you know, there's Leah Thomas, like there is, there's huge strides for trans and gender nonconforming and queer people. And at the same time, we have three states in the United States that have approved bills that felonizes gender-affirming healthcare for trans people. We have states that are investigating parents of trans kids, of gender nonconforming kids, because other kids in their classroom, other people who say that boy doesn't look enough like a boy or that little girl doesn't look. I think she was born something else. I think that family's abusing their kid because that little boy seems to be wearing dresses or that little girl seems to be too much of a tomboy. They are getting investigated for felonies by the police, by the Department of Child and Family Services. So at the very same time in the very same world, that is elected Joe Biden, a Democratic Congress, a Democratic Senate, I'm doing all these things, other trans and queer people are doing amazing things all over the place, but then there's also people who, like, are fighting for access to healthcare, fighting for access to schools, fighting for access to sports, and that seems like a small thing, but, like, Without cheerleading, without gymnastics, without the things that made me excited to be part of a team when I was young, like my whole life would be different. I'm still doing it now and I'm 35. There's still so much work left to be done. It seems like it's really bad right now and it is really bad right now, but I think the other thing that I'm shocked by and a lot of the work that I've done around like getting curious in the academics and the historians who I've had the pleasure of interviewing and researching, these things are a tale as old as time. Like the things that we're going through right now, like the oppression of people and, and the things that those all have in common is white supremacy and the patriarchy. And I'm really curious about like how we can bring more equity and more healing to more people. And so that's kind of, I feel like that's what I'm really wanting to focus on. But that wouldn't have been what I thought I was going to want to focus on so much at the very beginning. Like I just wanted like a house.
0: Can we talk books? Please. So you've written two, Over the Top and Love That Story, Observations from a Gorgeously Queer Life. And both have been really personal and super vulnerable. And it's almost like I feel the more famous you get, which is interesting, is the more open you become. Where most people are the opposite. The more famous they get, the more withdrawn they become and the more private they become. But why is it so important for you to let people in and allow them to get to know the real Jonathan?
1: Because in Over the Top, I, I... A lot of what I was writing was from this experience of like, people are loving me so much and people think they love me so much from Queer Eye, but if they really knew who I was, Mm. would they still love Mm -hmm. me? Like, would they still want the selfie? Would you still think I was like a cool person if you really knew all the stuff that I've been through and all the stuff that I've kind of done? So that's kind of what that was about. It was drugs, it was acting out, it was self-destruction. And so it took a lot for like those layers to peel away for me to kind of come back to that original mission, which was, is that like, I want to help people. And so that's why I write about institutional racism. That's why I write about white privilege. That's why I write about the mass incarceration. That's why I write about yeah. marijuana prohibition. That's why I write about TERFs and trans exclusionary radical feminism. That's why I talk about the HIV uh, social safety net. So that's kind of a huge mission and something that I feel like is one of the like 15 missions that I have, but I, that's why I wanna talk about it because you can't, I, I think the only way for us to move forward is with like cross-cultural solidarity. As I grow and as I experience more of the world, I realized that talking about our experience with these things is how we can move the needle.
0: 100%. So I kind of wanted to bring the conversation back to your childhood trauma and you opening up about the struggle with drug use and other high-risk behavior. And through that, you're trying to give people hope. Which I love. I know you're a big advocate of therapy. Is that like a big thread in your conversations with your therapist?
1: Yeah, therapy is a huge help. And then also, just like in recovery speak, like we call it like outer circle behavior, which is like your healing stuff. Like that's the stuff that you do to heal. So for me, that's like gymnastics, it's working out, it's walking the dogs, it's being with my husband. It's like, it's taking like a bath on Sundays and doing like a whole like my little like spa session. It's activism, it's volunteering, it's it's all the things that I do that like help me heal. So that's another way that I do it. Another way that I do it was like by turning the DMs off and like not looking on Twitter to see like what people are saying about me cuz that was like Twitter is
0: a wasteland and it will literally crush you. Yeah. I've chosen to just remove myself from that orbit because it's just, it's just too much. And, and you seem really good with your your boundaries. So that's one that you just obviously need to continue to work on. Yes. But speaking of boundaries, um, with this insane crazy work schedule and everything that you have on your plate, how do you avoid burnout? And what does self care kind of look like for you?
1: The CEO coach I was talking about, one of our mantras <laughs> yeah. right now is that uh, no is a source of abundance. No, no is a source, is a of, source abundance. of
0: abundance. I'm actually writing that down. Okay, I love that.
1: So, you know, learning to set boundaries is a piece of it. Also, like, acknowledging that I'm in a different space has helped a lot because it used to be that like in the first part of my recovery, like pre-queer eye, when I was doing hair full time and getting away from like a lot of the highest behavior stuff, part of my recovery back then was that like I actually like had to have like three nights a week of like unfettered alone time. Like if I was done with work at six, I needed to like know what my dinner was going to be drive home, sit at home alone. Like, I could not go out to the bars. Because, like, I would get invited and my friends would go and I would really feel like, oh, I want to be normal. I just want to go out with my friends. But then I would. And then I would just be really self-destructive while there. And I realized that, like, because I used to be afraid of being alone. And then I realized that I, like, needed to be alone because I actually enjoyed it from, like, doing hair for 10 hours a day and giving so much to other people. So acknowledging that I've grown and that I've changed And, you know, still having a firm boundary that knowing that our boundaries can shift based off of what's going on around us and that you're not going to break and that it's going to be okay because actually like strength is in fluidity, not rigidity sometimes.
0: Hit us with the gems, honey.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of that's been something that's like helped me a lot is like, especially because like I didn't learn how to say no until like three months ago. So I said yes so much for years and years that I'm still dealing with those yeses. So I need to be fluid until like get until like the no's start to like kick in.
0: Yeah. Well, that's actually the perfect way to end today's episode. But before we go, the podcast is all about highlighting people that are doing dope ass shit, which is why you're here today. So can you share three dope people that you think everyone should have on their radar?
1: Definitely a loke. For sure loke, like I mentioned before. The second one would be Joshua Allen on Instagram as well, who I love so much. They're a fierce artist, activist. I just love them so much. Ooh, and then Tommy Doe, who is the funniest fucking comedian on Instagram. I know that he's, I feel like, he, the second he gets on like the right comedy, it's going to be game over. He was like a figure skater, but now he's just like hilarious. He's always making fun of like trends on TikTok. Like all th- <laughs> it is. He makes me like spit out my coffee laughing so hard. He is so funny. Tommy underscore doe. Okay. Must follow and yesterday, everyone.
0: D-O-E. Okay. I'm on it. No, just it.
1: D-O. I think it's like D-O. D-O. Or maybe it's Tommy do. I don't fucking know.
0: Okay. I'm on it. Alok, but Joshua Allen, and Tommy doe.
1: Yes. And Ashley Marie Preston, four people.
0: Thank you, Queen. Thank you so much for holding space and time for me today.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you so much for your time today and your energy as always. I think one of the most frequently asked questions I get every time I have a personal encounter with you is, okay, but what is he really like? And I'm like, he's actually fucking just like that like you are just like honestly you're like literally a breath of fresh air and you're so real and you're so kind and you're so funny and you're just such a big light and you just literally feel like if a person was a hug that's you
1: that's nice honey. literally that is
0: you so thank you for being you thank you so much for listening For more episodes, subscribe to My Friends Do Dope Shit on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends and make sure to leave a rating and a review. My Friends Do Dope Shit is produced by Entertainment One. The director of programming at E1's podcast network is Sasha Tong. Executive producers, Deborah Belcourt and Sasha Tong. Producer, Allison Bruff. Associate producers, Adrian Muhajerin and Chris Chu. Edited and mixed by Adrian Muhajerin. Hosted by me, Sasha Exeter.